You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, or just this week, <laughs> uh, the Cranky Fan. Where have you been? Oh, Grump, it has been a crazy, crazy week. Uh, thanks for holding down the fort, although, you know, I listen to podcasts at 1.75 speed, and hearing you sound like a chipmunk made me chuckle pretty much the whole show, but it was very good. Thanks for holding the fort down. Um, it's been insane. Uh, last Saturday night, I was in Gainesville for the Florida LSU game, and I always play airline roulette when I book my flights because, as a lot of you know, I usually go to a Florida game on Saturday, the Giant game on Sunday, and I book flights thinking, well, I'll have plenty of time. You know, I'll I'll fly out early out of Jacksonville. Well, Gator game was a night game, so by the time I got to Jacksonville, it was two in the morning, three hours sleep, flew home. Had uh, a family obligation out east. Couldn't go to the Giant game. Had to drive two hours there, two hours back, make my train, go to Boston, end up staying up till two in the morning. Work colleagues, work nonstop for four days up there, about eight hours sleep. So no time to do any prep. Didn't get to see the game live. Just basically, I felt like I was in 1973 where I was watching the Giants, but... I am home now. I've done my prep. I've done my research. I'm back to normal. And glad to be back with you, Grump. And I had to do all the work. Uh, I had to watch the game three times to make up for it. And uh, uh, take double the notes to argue with myself. It was, it was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal stuff. Yeah, it must be awful to watch a team that's now, you know, five and one. Oh, uh, it was really, really hard to, f- I had to force my eyes open to watch another win. <laughs> um, well, did you, you, you ended up watching the game. I finally got to watch the game kind of in, in bits and pieces throughout the week just to fit in some time. And uh, I'm pretty pissed I wasn't there, to be very honest. That, you know, the crowd certainly seemed to be in it. Um, this team is starting to develop an it where they're finding ways to win and they're not fluky ways to win. They're earning wins. They're playing well in the second half. They're forcing things to happen. You know, to, you know that was not that, that was not a lot. That was not a lucky win, and you know I don't want to do the whole worst five and one team of all time because you know by DVOA they're they're not. But they played six games. They played against three teams that are playoff teams. I know Green Bay is in itself right now, but they're a good team, and they're five and one. They've won two of those three games against playoff teams. Two of those games were on the road. At some point. You know, maybe they're not Super Bowl contenders or not, you know, top five in some power rankings, which I saw this week. But they're 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 a good team right now, and the sum is greater than the parts. And I think we just enjoy it for the time being. It it it, it definitely makes the time of the transition of, of the rebuild go a lot faster and painless when you're winning, obviously. Well, what do you think about the game specifically, though? I thought it was a game where if you just, uh, as you're watching it, you know, Baltimore, you know, outgained us significantly, but 
we are doing things. We are not making mistakes. And I think that's the key. I think that's the difference when you don't have as much talent over, you know, teams that are better than you. And we're, we're, you know, how many penalties do we have in that game? Um, I, I think the number of penalties between teams was like fairly close. They they definitely had more, but theirs were for much bigger yardage. Too. Right, but even so, if there's a difference in penalties. It's still the fact that we're, we're have less than we've been in the past. That's keeping us in a lot of these games. You know that keeping turnovers low, keeping penalties low, that levels the playing field because that those are just giving away uh, possessions and giving away points, and we're not doing that right now. So. Um, I just think Daniel Jones is just playing better and better every week. I think that it's a combination of him being more confident in the offense, an offense that's being more built around his skill set and the availability or lack of availability of receivers. Although we we're starting to get guys come back now, so we're not having to worry about you know getting guys off the dumpster to, to be wide receiver. Uh. It's good. I mean, it was just a just a, a game. You just to keep yourself in position. You know, don't keep it close. Get to the fourth quarter, and then that that Julian Love interception, which of course, you know, all the bad luck I have on Sunday. We're, we're way out east on on Long Island, and I was listening to the game on on the internet, and of course the Wi-Fi went out. So Lamar Jackson goes back to pass. I don't hear anything. Next thing when it finally Come comes on. back, the crowd is going. I, Honest to God. I'm like, something happened big because you can just hear the crowd going nuts. And you know when Bob Papa gets that voice? Yo, I, that, I was going to say. Go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that that it gets high pitched and it's like a in his voice. He was still in that mode. So I was like, something big just happened. And finally, when we heard it, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So, wow. What perfect transition here. Let's go into upon further review. I want to ask yes. you a couple of questions about. Um, yeah, some some things I said about that game that I, I was unable to bounce off of you uh, for yeah. the episode. But first, I was going to say I have over the course of this podcast vocally said that I don't really like Bob Papa and Carl Banks as radio duo. I think that they sound kind of boring and I didn't understand why people liked Bob Papa doing the NFL Network uh, or like, what was it like the Thursday night games, whatever he did. Yeah. When the first year at NFL network, they had him as the, the play by play. I think he lasted one season. Yeah. And, and I, it's not that I think that they're bad, but I just never understood why people thought they were good. Uh, I, I don't think that they're particularly good at it, but they've gotten better to, for, for me, like over the last couple of years. And that play call in particular, I thought was one of Bob Baba's best. <laughs> well, uh, I heard it. I heard it in the, well, you know, after the game is over, they do the game recap. That's when I finally heard the oh, play call. Oh, it was call. fantastic. It was very good. That yeah. reminded me a bit of the the Jason Seahorn pick in the playoffs in 2000 for, like, excitement level pitch, the oh, whole yeah. importance of the game. That's what it reminded me of. It kind of, um, yeah, it kind of was like that. Um, there's, there's, to me, I have no problem with Bob Papa. I think he's kind oh, of— I don't a, have a problem. It's just one of those things where, like, people are like, oh, I really miss him doing this. It's like— I don't. No, I don't. I wouldn't say I don't lose any sleep when he's not doing the game, but I think, you know, again, because the amount of times I listen to a giant game on the radio for information is, you know, once in a generation. So, you know, it's not like John Sterling for the Yankees where I just don't know what's happening. I honestly, I, I, I can't see the radio. Um, he's fine. I think he's fair. Yes. I, you know, 
you listen to some, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, you listen to a, a hometown um, announcing crew, and it's just we, us, they, them, yes. screaming like a, a banshee when they get a first down and you know, grunting and crying and moaning about every play call against them. And he's fair. He gets... He's not he's not a super homer announcer, but but that's also that's like at the that's like the the bar, the threshold that we grade like the local level by. Right. And by those standards I super agree. But I mean, you know, like I said, the people pining for him to do the Thursday night game, like now that's just now you gotta elevate to the Those are giant fans who just, you know Yeah. But, oh, when I watch a game I turn down my rate my T V and listen to the radio. Yeah, that's good a, for you. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> Anyway, I didn't want to make a big thing out of that, but I did want to put credit where it's due. I, I really enjoyed that call. I thought it was Let's fantastic. give him a star. There you go. Star for Bob Papa and Carl Banks. Great, great call, guys. I'm yeah. sure you guys care about my awards. Um, but I, I So I do want to ask your opinion on a couple things from the game itself. Yes. Um, and the first is, so the defense, uh, I think, was perceived as being shakier than it really was. My perception of what happened during this game is – the scheme was not to take away the run first, but to take away Lamar Jackson's scrambling first mm -hmm. and not let him beat us with his legs. Um, I, I don't think you can necessarily complain about the game plan if it seemed to work, uh, but you could also say that they're one bad snap away from losing this game. Uh, so... Um, and and they did get the shit kicked out of them in the run game. They really they did have to sacrifice something, and it kind of came at the expense of really truly stacking the box in some instances. They did get moved in the run game, uh, but they didn't help themselves. So I, I don't know. I was curious about your thoughts to the approach there. Like the, yeah, the, you know, the, I mean, you can't argue with it because it worked, right? It's interesting. You know, we're five and one, and we, those are things we're starting to nitpick a little bit about. But if you know. If Tennessee, yeah, hits but this that, is this is what you do when you have a good team. We yeah. just haven't been able to do it yet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess the talent level hasn't changed from what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. We're winning games and we're playing better than we expected, but you know, this this defense is still going to be overhauled at some point in a lot of positions. So to say that they didn't play a Everybody in the All Pro level, every game at this point is, I think, is a little nitpicky. I think. Wait, wait, like, wait. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm asking you what you thought of the scheme to stop Lamar Jackson with the legs first and give up a little bit in the run game because they almost got run over to the point of losing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what they did because to me, letting them giving up tons of rushing yards is still matriculating down the field where Lamar Jackson has the potential where. He could score at any moment. Take away the explosive play. Exactly. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, I agree. That 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 was that was my thought. It was like okay, that's and again. You watch a game differently when you're watching the replay as opposed to live and listening. Oh, to I was it losing live. my shit live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to me, it's just like I I can live with that. Where I just don't want this guy getting loose for you know running for 130 yards and having three explosive runs and we. Our offense is not built yet to recover and get in a shootout for a game like that. So I think it was smart. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I hadn't considered um, – I guess I hadn't considered that as much as I probably should have when we were previewing this game was just how how explosive he is just getting loose or you know having an uncontrolled pass rush. But we probably mm -hmm. should have. 
Um, I want to get your take on the delay of game call or no call. Yeah, no um, call. I, 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 so I preface this by saying that I watched the exact same kind of scenario happen in Alabama-Tennessee game mm-hmm. where they let it slide. It wasn't as bad as this game in my opinion. And I, I even then felt compelled while just watching the game and doing college prep work or whatever to tweet out that I didn't give a shit who won the game so it was coming with no bias but that like there's just there just has to be a better way to call delay of game than what we have in there and then lo and behold the next day it happens to the giants on a scoring play a scoring play and it was way worse it was a full second at least worse i was losing my mind in the stands I never really got it. I, the, the, I'm like working myself up remembering it because, my God, if, the, if they didn't get that fluky snap or whatever the hell, if they ended up losing this game, it would have been on that score. Well, you know, going back to Bob Papa again, as he's doing the play-by-play call live, I think he said something like, clock's at zero. They didn't call it, like in the middle of his play call. So... This is a this is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports, and it's something I've been arguing with friends and and Twitter people forever. No matter what sport it is, rules are rules, and you need to enforce the rules as they are written. The rule is there's a 35 second play clock, and when it goes to zero, it dead ball delay of game. I don't just know when this ever. Well, it goes to zero. I'm I down. Then I look up. Then I give the benefit of the doubt for half a. That's not the rule. You know, we don't say, well, I hit a line drive in baseball and it was eh, a tenth of an inch to the foul line, close enough. Or offsides in hockey, well, the skate was just barely over, so it's close enough. No, the rule is the rule, and is. Clock going to zero. I, I'm assuming that is not a reviewable situation, right? Which makes no sense because it is no. The the reason it's not reviewable is because of exactly what you said. This ambiguous ass the way they're told to enforce it, which is look at the clock, see zero, then look down, make sure ball isn't snapped. So it really ends up being this weird. It's 35 seconds, but really it's 36 or 37 or however long it takes the ref to move his head. So right. that's why it's not reviewable because they're told to enforce it like assholes. Enforce the if you don't if. See, that's the thing always is rules can change if you have better ways to enforce it. If if you're enforcement, if you now have instant replay, if you now have, you know, like in tennis, electronic uh, determination of a ball is in or out. If that causes you to make a change in the rule because you can perfect the way you enforce the rule, I'm completely fine with that. You know, so it doesn't interfere with the spirit of the game. Fine. Change the rule. You can't change the way you enforce something because, well, I, you know, I physically can't see this and this. Either get to use the technology that is available to call it or change the rule. And, you know, we got screwed because of the interpretation of how the rules enforce, and that's complete bullshit. Yo, so it, it is insane to me that people are just okay with some of the archaic shit that goes on with football. That does not seem like an expensive thing to fix remember when we talk about like pass interference or holding 
or roughing the passer. Those plays come up as they come up. This is the fucking play clock. Yeah. This has every single snap. And we interpret it by a guy trying to look in two places at once instead of, I don't know, something that vibrates in his pocket when it hits zero. So he knows to blow the whistle without actually looking. Or I don't have know. A, or, or, or anything. Or going off or something or in the stadium. any number of other reasons. Why are we enforcing rules like cavemen? We have lasers and shit and we shoot fireworks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we have stadiums that with roofs that move, especially with rules that are not subject to interpretation. It is, it is a end zone line, a foul line, a it is, blue it is line. Objective. It, yes, it's a clock. It right. doesn't get any more objective than that. It's right. the first thing we learn to measure, probably. Exactly. Now, if you want to talk about holding, that's subject to interpretation, pass interference interpretation, and you know, I. I go back and forth with the use of replay for those things because it, the rule is set up to be based on the interpretation of the officials. But there is no interpreting you know, if the ball went over the plane for a touchdown or not. There's no interpreting was his foot out of bounds. There's no interpreting did the play clock go to zero or the game end at zero. It's <laughs> that it is what it is. And they got to do something about that because – you know, that could have cost the Giants a win. I don't know why people don't get more mad when this isn't called. Because I think this is, first of all, I think it's bullshit that they get any sort of leeway or benefit of the doubt or anything. The idea of that should incite people to rage anyway. But they just are so soft on it. And it's just bullshit. Well, half, well, half the time people don't get, half the population or half the viewing audience isn't going to get mad because the call went in their favor. So they're not going to be like, you know, we got – that was our touchdown, but <laughs> they blew the call. Well, I mean that's in the case of a touchdown. I mean this right. this this particular thing of just like a, a delay of game that's not called or is softly called or something like that, mm-hmm. it, should, it happens in every game just on any given play. Well, they're yes. way too soft on it, and I don't know why people don't get mad. And no one, they're not going to change anything that no one gets mad over. Well, here's the thing, and this is like a unintended consequence in the positive for gambling is that the more people gamble, the more money that's put on these games, the more the betting public is to demand perfection from the things that can be controlled, right? They're going to demand that officials be better. They're going to demand that the strike zone is accurately enforced. They're going to demand, you know, all these things because they have money on the line. It's not just being a fan. It's so I think, you know, Everything is going to be under review in the next couple of years that the more and more people are gambling and the more money's it's everything money is always the root of everything. And the more money that's flowing in that's on the line, it's that's where the, the public will demand more of the correct things being done. So what you're saying is I'm justified in that uh in being that angry over that. I one hundred and fifty percent because that is something that you and I always watch. Our seats are in the end zone. We look right across, and we're always watching the play clock. And how many times have I done five, four, we owe every three. single play? Yeah, especially every in the old days, like when Eli play. was quarterback, we're yes. always doing that. Yep, and that—that's actually what made me watch it. It was always being nervous mm-hmm. that it was going to happen to us. Yeah, because it was—it was every play, and we'd be down in the red zone with the game on the line. And it's the last thing you needed. 
We, so yeah, I watch it on every single play. So when I say I was jumping up and down screaming, I really mean it from the we moment. We go to it a lot zero. of games, Grump and I, college and pro. And one of the first things I do when I get my seat in an away stadium or a neutral site is because where's the uh, where's the play clock? Because it changes, like it's subtle little differences. You know, it might be right on the on the wall here or up top. So I'm always making sure I know where it is because I'm always looking at it. I want to know what you thought about the slide versus the score, but specifically my take on it wasn't necessarily that um, it was not the right move or anything like that, but just that people acting like it was super brilliant were really exaggerating how smart it was. Spot on 100%. Okay, good. That That's an example to me, and this is one of my things, I, my themes of this season is running with your narrative, where – if you don't like your coach, you're going to find reasons to, you know, get on his case. But if, and if you like your coach, you're going to find things that you love about him. This, it didn't matter. It, it, like you said, the odds of Baltimore coming back to win, either if we'd scored again and them getting the ball back or the other way, we're just, I think you said 99 versus 98%. It, it didn't really matter. What I liked, and I'm not sure if you mentioned this or not, was, Saquon Barkley knew exactly what he was going to do when he was in that position. It wasn't like, you know, oh, should I kneel or should I not? We saw that in the Super Bowl uh, with, with us. It's that's, like that's exactly what I said. The one yeah. thing I did take away was the preparedness, and it spoke to the to the preparation and, that the coaches put into things. And also, this is the second time in back to back weeks we've seen a situation like this because you remember in the Green Bay game when I was talking about. The safety, you know, the, the safety. safety with the punter. Yeah, because like, we were we were kind of. Well, I was drunk, so I was like, oh, I don't know what to do now. And I was like, they should take a safety. That's the, that's the safest way to get out of this situation because you don't want the you don't want the, the punt block. You don't want you know a quick seven points. Take the safety, and that's exactly what they did. And that wasn't something they just they were prepared for that. And when you see a coaching staff that has an attention to detail and the foresight for things, that gets you excited. So, you know, I'm not hailing them as a genius for what they did like you. I'm hailing because they thought about what they were going to do. Spot on. Wow, that's that's awesome. So three for three slash four for four on uh, you agreeing with me. Last <laughs> Something's week. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's move it. Now that we're all caught up now uh, on last week, we can jump into this well, I got, week's news. Oh, you got one more guy. Go I ahead. got one more thing too. I wanted to throw a star out there that I, you didn't give, but I want to give, I want to give a star to, to Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, you know, not the, the injury kind of set him back a little bit. You know, people were a little bit of grumbling about, you know, he hadn't had any sacks early on. You know, some wackadoos already like, is this guy a bust, which <laughs> please delete your accounts, whoever's saying that. But, Guys like him, you need to make the big play at the most important time of the game. And he did. The strip sack ended the game. And for me, for all like the, you know, I wouldn't say trials and tribulations. I mean, he was only out for a couple of weeks. He, he lost some time, but he's a big play guy in a position of, of huge need on this team. And to make a play like that at the most important part of the game, he has to be rewarded for it. And to me, that gets a star. Did I really not give him a star? I don't believe you did. Oh. I was back and forth on whether or not I was going to give Julian Love a star or not because he got kind of like 
he got kind of beat around in coverage, but then, I mean, he made like three of the biggest plays of the game, and ultimately I realized mm-hmm. it was crazy to not give him one. But I think I spent so much time thinking about it, I maybe overlooked Tibbs. Right. Which was stupid. Um, yeah, outstanding performance at the biggest moment. Came right in there. Um, crowd went absolutely ballistic when it happened. It was awesome. Now that I heard live, and yeah. that was, you know, again, that's where Bob Pop is the best. Mm-hmm. Or... At his best, I should say, and um, that's, yeah, I would I, say that's his comfort zone. I I might have I might have, uh, I might have uh, hit the uh, the horn a few times on the on the Long Expressway when that <laughs> happened. So, <laughs> um, and you fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so news this week: um, a little while ago, the Giants uh, moved Nick Gates off of the PUP list, which meant that they had a window that they opened, which I think was like 21 days or three Mm -hmm. weeks or something like that, uh, to make a decision on whether they were going to add him to the 53 man roster uh, or move him to some other list, which is, (laughs) I mean, it could be other, it could be the IR list. I don't know. I, I think they could just move him to the practice squad. I don't know. Uh, but whatever. It, essentially, they were going to have to make a decision on him. He was going to count against the roster. They have to put him somewhere. Um, this is extremely fast turnaround for me. I, I, I questioned whether – I still do question whether or not he'll ever actually play football. This is a good test for him. It seems that he is able to run around, move, do everything very well. But to perform football activities is another thing. So um, trainers are okaying it. It's still fast, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I guess my thing about thinking about this is, you know, who would he replace on the roster, and what risk is there of having him actually on the roster? Well, see, that's the interesting thing about Nick Gates is that he is capable of playing just about any position on the line. Um, he's if a, he can play, if he can play, I mean, just, I mean. Um, experience-wise, he's capable of playing just about any position on the line. So as far as who he would replace, you could theoretically say anybody. My bigger thing is, who is he in this playbook? Like, how up to speed is he? Like, forget even physically, mentally, how ready is he to start playing? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because if he is physically ready, people are going to be like, well, when is he getting in there? I don't know how mentally ready he is. Well, that's right? that's first of all, that's something where fans have to really temper their expectations, even if he's playing. Because to me, if he's coming back and he's playing, he's a depth guy. I don't see him jumping immediately into the starting rotation. I see him as I somebody yeah. who's going to have to. It might take this entire season where he's only gaining, you know, at, maybe at first a handful of snaps, maybe a series or something. But I can't see him coming in and starting. So with that expectations in mind i'm okay with it and also would your opinion on him coming back or not change if we weren't six five and one like Um, now he actually well well, my opinion is that it's really fast and i question his availability so i don't know what do you mean change in what way i mean if i mean there is a risk of saying okay we're gonna put him on the active roster but we may not get much out of him this year because if you you don't put him on the active roster you put him on one of those other lists you're saying we're gonna wait till next year but they're gonna if, if they do put him on the active roster that means there is a a risk that you know he's not gonna play much or at all or whatever 
So my question to you would be, if this team was you know, two and four or something, would you be more likely to take that risk? But now that we're five and one and the playoffs are actually something to start considering, do we want to risk that roster spot for someone that you know, may not give you a full roster spot worth of productivity. Well, they've been operating at like 52 guys for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it's much of a risk. That's true. That's, I, that, that's fair. I, I'm, to be perfectly honest, uh, I, they've been kind of operating with one arm behind their back. So and also to, they, to add a guy that doesn't produce in any capacity whatsoever. I mean, what's the word? They, that doesn't stop them from moving him to IR later. I mean, if they that's are true. rolling with him and they're just like, oh, he had a setback. I mean, they could... They could even lie about that, so um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I don't know that there's much risk associated with it, other than if they just miscalculate his availability. You and know, and that's also, the, real risk to the odds of bringing anybody onto this roster, we don't have any money to get anybody. Like you know, someone off the waiver wire or something. It's gonna be pretty low anyway. So he's not like he's holding a spot for somebody that we'd want to bring in here. I could see him if he does come back and play in any capacity, him playing at guard, um, mainly because I don't think he'll get up to speed on making mm-hmm. – I think ultimately if you look at – if you were to on paper assemble the best offensive line out of this roster, you might wind up with John Feliciano on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think there's a real case to be made about Ben Bredesen getting better the last couple of weeks, Shane Lemieux if he's not hurt being well, the that, best situation at left guard, Nick Gates at center, and Mark Lewinsky at right guard. But I don't think there's a realistic chance of Nick Gates being physically available and mentally ready to take on all of the snap duties and like the offensive line lineup kind of responsibilities that often are associated with the center. Um, but I could see him coming in at left guard and being better than Ben Bredesen is right now. I was going to ask you about Shane. I mean, what's his status um, the last I heard, which I usually follow Dan Duggan for injury updates because he seems to be the beat writer who's the most mm-hmm. uh, vigilant in asking about these things, was that he's he got the sense that he's only a few weeks away. So I would say we have this week coming up against the Jaguars and then the Seahawks, right? And then we have a bye right. week. Yes. So I would say probably the next game after that I think is like the Lions or something like that. I would I would look to see him coming back to practice after the bye week. Does Shane Lemieux's status and a potential availability to you impact the decisions made on Nick Gates or are they two independent things? No, they're two independent things. Just because I think Nick Gates playing guard is the fastest possible course to him getting on the field. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's the best possible outcome and that they should, especially with this roster, have two answers for every problem if they can. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm I'm big stoked for him personally. I think this is a huge thing for any player to come back. I think he's a good dude, an easy-to-like guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I hope the best for him. I hope he doesn't have any setbacks, you know, anything like that. I hope he... I hope everything you know, goes the, well for him. That's all. The Giants have a recent history of guys who've come back after major injuries. You know, whether it's, you know, Victor Cruz yeah. or you know, Sterling Shepard. You know, it, it's just great to see these guys back. I just or hope even Blake that, Martinez. Sure. Yeah. Or Saquon so, Barkley. Mm-hmm. So. So you you love to see it. You know, to me, he's almost out of sight, out of mind, and you know, getting him back is, even if it's in a depth capacity, you know, helps this ball club. And again, our priorities are shifting a little bit, you know, of 
now the playoffs, like I said, are a potential. It's something to, it's something to start considering, not planning on it, but like maybe some decisions for this year might be different because of the big start and playing a Jacksonville and playing a Seattle might make it a little more clearer what the direction of this team is for 2022. You know, as we kind of segue into the Jacksonville game. So going into the Jacksonville game, um, so the, I, I guess the first thing is, are we going to talk Evan Ingram at all? Who? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to talk Doug Peterson at all? Yeah, I, 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 I would like to a little bit. Go for it. I think there's a lot of people, you know, who are on this roster who will never forget what Doug Peterson did two years ago. You know, this team had a chance to make the playoffs two years ago, and Doug Peterson in a pussy move tanked his own team in a game and it cost the giants a playoff spot, which, you know, it's, it was so important to see what his third string quarterback was like when all of a sudden now Jalen hurts is the toast of the league and they're seven and zero or whatever they are. So do you think I it def- would have been, do you think, what do you think the backlash would have been if instead of him defending with that cockamamie, bullshit of need you know just checking out his guys or whatever if he just flat out was just like look this game meant nothing for my team i did what was best for it though the best thing i could do was lose to improve our draft slot he would have got fined but got more respect i think you think so yeah he would definitely you, you think find... we would have like weeks of conversations on sports center oh and, god about whether so? or not that was uh the truth or if that's good strategy and have steven right. a and whatever oh of course absolutely okay. Okay, but so so he missed out on an impo- uh Okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think but of I him th- as a I... coach, though? What's that? What do you think of him as a coach, though? I thought he was a buffoon before they won the Super Bowl, and I'm still not sure that he's a great coach or not. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I remember the year before the Super Bowl, I drove down to Florida like Christmas like the day after Christmas or whatever, right before the last week of the season, whenever it was. And as I was driving through Philly, listening to WIP and listening to the fans crucify the guy, you know, in, in classic Philly style. And then he wins the Super Bowl. It's like, okay. But we know there are examples. There are exceptions to the rule of good coaches win Super Bowls. I mean, Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl. So... That's a team that got hot at the right time and with a backup quarterback, basically, and won a Super Bowl. Do I think he's a great coach? I don't think so. I mean, is he better than Urban Meyer? Well, I think I think Urban Meyer is a good coach. I just think there's something mentally wrong with the guy. Which, I, th- I think I, you're right. There's, there's, dead, what happened to him in college is not a fluke. You don't win right. that much by accident. Listen, I, I – endured the 2009-2010 fiasco that he was coaching Florida. You know, he's he's a great coach. And I think if he is of right sound mind, I think he would be a success in the NFL too. I think he is so consumed with winning, I think it causes mental issues with him. And I think, I don't know, at this point now, he's like a cartoon character of himself. He gets to Jacksonville and it's just He needs that Mighty Ducks treatment. It's like begging to be fired, like almost from the get go. The Gordon Bombay treatment. 
Yeah. It's too obsessed with winning. You got to go coach this youth hockey team. Yeah. Like, we'll never know what was behind the scenes from day one. We don't know how dysfunctional, you know. It looked like a shit show. I mean, who knows how dysfunctional, like, that owner is and upper management and something. So it might, you know, you everybody's had a job in their life. As soon as they get there, they know it's a mistake. <laughs> like, pretty much the first day they get there. And yeah, maybe. And he's a, he's a maniac, and who knows? But to answer your question, I think Urban Meyer is a better coach than him. Yeah, I do too. Um, I was I was actually setting up for that conversation. You you didn't take the bait. You went right into it all all serious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Doug Peterson is probably a good coach for this turnaround because he's an even keel kind of guy. He's not super smart. He's not like the best possible coach for this turnaround, but he's an even keel guy. I think he'll get steady, slow results. I don't know if he's going to be enough to put the team over the top, but he could get this Jaguars team contending. In a I think he does years. a good job of quarterbacks, and it's exactly what Trevor Lawrence needs. And yeah, I think he's in a, a market, yeah. and he's in a market that's going to give him a lot of leeway. Yeah, you're not going to get people calling up 1010XL and being like, "This guy's a jackass. Get rid of him." Yeah, you know, after uh, X amount of games, it's going to be a long, long. They don't even. I, they may not even know they have a football team until they start winning. In that area, well, up there, you know, I, I don't mean Jacksonville fans. I just mean the general Jacksonville public. Uh, it's one of those weird, not weird cities. It's one of those cities, kind of like Tampa and a smaller extent than like a Kansas City, where going to a Jaguar game is a bit. It's such a small. It's a small town, Jacksonville, small city. It becomes a social thing to do. Like, are you going to the Jaguar game Sunday? You talk about that at work. So, they. The general public, this, the general public is definitely it's in their their peripheral vision. There may not be as many hardcore football fans as some other markets. Okay. Um. All right. So when I look at this game, or when I look at this team, even I, I think that they kind of assembled themselves on the fly, uh, mm-hmm. which was like just quickly. I l- let me get something that looks like a football team on the field. Uh. And they, what's, what's weird is I, I feel like they had money to make real moves instead. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think they could have, I don't know. It felt like they just kind of threw shit together uh, on, like, one-year deals to just kind of, like, put a team together that was going to compete or some shit. And that just seems silly to me. Um, nevertheless, on paper, they have, like, something that you would theoretically be afraid of. Where like Trevor Lawrence is like this number one pick at quarterback, and they went in, they got him all these weapons on the outside, um, and you know they, they they go and they get Trayvon Walker, which everyone was losing their minds over. Like just it just on paper looks a little bit more scary than I think it turned out. They you know they they had this kind of fast start and they've fluttered pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Last week they got chewed apart on defense. But I think the thing to me is that the offense never really looks bad. It maybe just doesn't quite finish the deal. Um, it kind of maybe looks like one that is <laughs> it's it like a, it's like mistake. a kid learning to walk and it just yeah. is constantly falling over. It's kind of like my golf game a little bit where I might oh, have a oh nice... then this is a win. Yeah. <laughs> oh please. I mean like I'll have a nice tee shot and I'll even have a nice second shot. But like that pitch, I'll hit it at a ninety degree angle, 
and all of a sudden my score becomes double par. It's not that I'm a horrible, horrible golfer. It's just that one shot's going to ruin the hole. Right. And, and, and football is like that, though. I mean, like sure. a, a negative running play on first down puts you in second and 15. If you're not a really good team, that's a that's a pretty tough hole to dig out of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if you're an okay team, it's not easy to get 15 yards and two shots. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I agree. But but still, this offense to me never really looks bad, and it does kind of worry me a little bit. So I, I alluded a little bit to – in the Ravens game, I don't think the run defense is as bad as maybe it looked in that scenario because of the specific game plan to ensure there was no outside escape for Lamar Jackson. And that kind of opened us up to one-on-one matchups on the inside in the run game that we kind of got blasted out of. But our run game, our run defense hasn't been like brick solid since that first week, right? It, it, I think I heard on one of the other pods that we're like 27th in the league in rushing. Well, yeah, rushing but, uh, but uh, again, that's going to be based on stats specifically. And yeah. they, they game plan themselves into that situation last week. So I don't but, believe that they're that bad. And also you have a couple uh, – a w- w- week without Leonard Williams, two weeks without Leonard Williams as well. Yeah, we, we had this conversation I think after Chicago game. It was like, well, there's the one outlier and that's why the stats. But we're now into week seven. So, I mean – Sometimes the stats aren't tell you what you really are. And I get it. I well, get but the Chicago point, sure. game was without Leonard Williams. Right. But I mean, now, but I'm saying there's other games as well that are kind of strengthening that, you know, the, the believing in the number. I, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Um, I, I just. It doesn't feel like a sieve. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, regardless of whether or not it's better than it looks or it's exactly 26th in the league or it's bad i don't i think we agree that it's not brick solid no okay so i'm pretty worried about that Mm -hmm. regardless of anything else i I think the biggest thing that i think can wreck this game is not being able to stop the run etn and robinson are uh you know for the record i mean they're not rushing better than saquon barkley but Mm -hmm. This running game is their offense, and it's a really good one-two punch with Etienne and Robinson, and that's leaving out Trevor Lawrence on his own. Um, Etienne's kind of the flash guy. He's got a lot of speed, and he gets to that top gear pretty quickly, whereas Robinson's kind of like your Brandon Jacobs run-you-over bruiser type. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, really, it's a good combination because we are a team that is – building a roster and what both our offense and defense do to get results is a lot of substitutions. Mm -hmm. Um, And we substitute to gain advantages. So it makes it hard to substitute when you have a one, two punch like that. I mean, the defenders you bring in to stop the flash runner are not the same defenders that you want in there to stop the bruiser runner. Uh, You kind of need really good players that are really good at stopping both and they're hard to come by. So I'm worried about that. Do you have any other worries about their I'm, offense? I'm kind of – yeah, I can worry them getting chunks of yards. But, again, it comes down to scoring. And if they are going to score their points by grinding out long drives, and I think that helps us. You know, I, our offense is not equipped to play shootouts and win shootouts. And when your opponent is not as well geared that way, I think that gives us the best chance to win. So, yeah, we may give up a bunch of yards. You know, we may have trouble getting off the field. But I think playing a team like this 
forget the talent level, just the style. I feel more comfortable playing in a game like this and a team that's going to, you know, air it out and has big strike capability, receivers that can, you know, torch a, a secondary or something. So, well, it, that to me, that's the best way to win this is to, you're not going to be able to stop this run entirely without mm-hmm. totally selling out against the pass, which I do not recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Trevor Lawrence is more than capable and Doug Peterson is a good offensive mind. Uh, mm-hmm. So he'll pick up on shit like that. But um, I think you, you, let them grind. The best way to do this is to stop the run in so much as you can. Let them grind out their drives and play as much with the lead as you can. Because eventually that forces the ball into Trevor Lawrence's hands. Because if you play with a lead and the, t- the clock's ticking, you're going to do what Green Bay did, which was just start chucking the ball downfield because you're getting worried. Um, and, and, that, gonna, and, and with this defense, the best case scenario for me, I don't care if it's Trevor Lawrence or Joe Montana. If the quarterback is inexperienced, oh boy, that's what Here I they want. Come. That's what I want. I want to Absolutely. be rushing an inexperienced quarterback. And also, he's been of a bit of a turnover machine lately too. Yeah, um, four picks, five picks, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, agreed. Uh, I mean, we we haven't really been the the turnover producers lately. That's the only thing. So I don't know we, if, we if have... we might even out. We have one. We have one interception this year. We we just got our first interception in the fourth quarter of the most recent game. Right, and right. We got a right. fumble recovery also at that time. I mean, um, I think I just think that uh, those things were kind of coming. You know, mm-hmm. it's a new defense, so the bang bang isn't quite there. If the one and defender's put- there to break up a play, the other defender isn't right behind him to catch the pass, kind of thing. And for the most part, we paid. We played a lot of quarterbacks that are either really good or we played against offenses that are made to protect the other quarterback from making mistakes kind of yeah i mean they're not letting justin fields go out there and throw 35 times a game right so the the, the chances for picks aren't there and then you're facing you know some elite quarterbacks as well so it it sort of makes sense a little bit it's not just all on us and our inability to cause turnovers too um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, so I didn't ask you about this. This was Wandale Robinson's uh, first real NFL game. I don't really count, you know, week one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what were your thoughts on Wandale Robinson? He was what three for four, and it, you know, like when you're replacing guys that you know were called off the street to play receiver with legitimate guys who could potentially be stars in this league, <laughs> that changes everything. I think it changes how you call plays. I think it uh, gives more confidence to guys like Daniel Jones. So I think he looked, he looked good coming out for his first game. I thought he looked fantastic. Um, yeah. I was expecting a slow start for him because I was excited about him and his skill set, but it just didn't seem like any of it had translated yet for him. So I was just expecting a slow ramp up to him being a contributor where it would be kind of one of those things where after three or four weeks of him being back, we'd be having a conversation like, hey, Wondell Robinson's kind of been clutch. You know, he mm-hmm. had he had two first down conversions four weeks ago, and then he had three the week after. I thought it was going to be something like that. No oh. way, man. He came out there and every everything he caught was a big, and the drop that he had was big. Was was, mm-hmm. you know, it was a silly drop. He had his hands kind of misaligned there. He kind of tried to gator chomp the ball instead of you know, <laughs> diamonding his fingers. You know, um, but yes, I think what's up? Fo- football players have to play. You know, if you have ability, I don't believe in 
well, we don't have a spot in the offense for you. It's like you figure out things to get these guys on the field. And you well, I mean, especially guys that you draft. I mean, exactly. you don't well, you don't take a guy with the second pick the, in the second round that is not – you don't have a, well, that, a yeah, role I mean, already no, carved but, out but, for but I was talking more about the fact that he hadn't played. It's just like, you know, we're going to get him out on the field slowly and, and acclimate him. It's like, Well, they did, though. They yeah. did get him out there slowly. You're right. But, I mean, like, guys like him, you've got to get the ball to him. You know, and – how to say this it's like he's instantly the most talented receiver we have playing right now yes and you know would you like to bring him on maybe even slower possibly but when you really have nothing around you well i didn't think they were well I, coming back again, from injury i knew they would bring him back slowly but i just i thought his acclimation to the nfl game and the impact he would have on the game would be a little bit slow just because it just seemed to be that way. And then you, you look back at his college career and he changed colleges and he was sort of a gadget player. Uh, yeah. And then he was sort of like the offense was built almost around him. In the but Kentucky. Remember, yeah. But remember he was in the sec and he, you know, he played Only Georgia. for a year. Yeah. But still it's, it's getting your feet wet. It's almost like trial by fire. Getting yeah. It. I agree. But I mean, yeah. there, there was, reason to believe that he might have a slow start he's he was not a four-year sec player that you had a lot of production to compare against and i also think at the time of the draft you would think in a best case scenario he'd be flanked by kenny galladay Darius tony yeah so you know this is the situation we're in but when, when you know in april is different than october but it was we thought we could ease him in a little more because there'd be more support around him. Um, all right. So on the offensive side of the ball, when I look at this, you know, they, they, the, their corners struggled last week. And I know Matt Ryan picked them apart. They play lots of man. And that kind of helps us out because it's helpful for DJ to scramble. You know, same thing <laughs> I was saying with Lamar Jackson. You get cornerbacks with their back to the quarterback. It's helpful for them to scramble. It can be exploited with a lot of crossers and rub routes, screens, and shifty receivers. It's a lot of shit that we like to do mm-hmm. and that we have the personnel to do. But to me, I think this game comes to up the middle, it feels like their defense is soft. Mm-hmm. Right now, it looks like they have talent on the edges with Walker and um, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, I'm just not that scared, and it doesn't look like they have anything I should be worried about. So I, I'm going to be looking for a pocket for Jones to step up into and out of if necessary. You know, the, the forward and off to the left or right is more comfortable to his right. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm thinking lanes for running backs. I think Brita and Barkley are going to have some pretty big games here. And I think also as the game goes on, the soft middle and the aggressive edge rushers trying to make an impact when they're being schemed out are going to be biting on zone read plays. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be open for Daniel Jones or the wildcat play with Barkley and Brita as they get creative back there. I feel okay with us on offense. I do too. Uh, I feel the point you made about the zone reads, I think this is going to be one of those games where Daniel Jones is going to run for a lot of yards, honestly. I, I, I think that uh, I see a guy I, – I see more and more confidence from him. I see, again, this offense being more tweaked to what he does best. And, again, with a rush from out from the outside, I, I think 
that plays into his hands more. I, I, I look at something like we throw the ball maybe 20 times max in this game. I think we try to control the clock. I think a, a lot is on the decision-making Daniel Jones, and I think he's as confident and as comfortable he has been in his career. And I, I think he's going to have a lot of yards. My, I'm going to make a bold prediction. He has over 100 yards rushing. Whoa, Daniel Jones? Yeah. All right. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like this is one of those, like he's going to have like one run of like 35 to 40 yards where it's not just, you know, making a move on a guy. It's just like he's going to drop back or something and all of a sudden there's just going to be a, a massive lane. He just takes it. You know, maybe he's looking downfield and he's just like, oh shit, and just takes off and gets like 35 or 40 yards. And he ends up with something like 100 yards rushing. Just a gut feeling. So keep going. Just finish with your full prediction. For the game? Yep. I've been thinking about this game a lot. And the are the Giants for real thing that people have been, you know, it's a big catchphrase. To me, it's not if you pick off a team that, like a Green Bay or a, a Baltimore. It's can you actually go beat a team that you should beat? Now, I don't care about point spreads. I don't care what the media thinks. The Giants, right now at 5-1, and one, the where they are playing, should beat this Jacksonville team. Home, road, on Mars, it doesn't matter to me. They should beat them. And are the Giants for real? Well, it's still to be determined. Are they a good football team right now? I think so. And... To prove that, this is a game they have to win. And I think the biggest thing for me in this game, you made a point about it earlier, is that Wink Martindale probably has a stiffy right now making his game plan to go after Trevor Lawrence and go after him hard, relentlessly, cause turnovers, cause bad decisions, cause him to be out of... uh, you know, out of sequence, you know, out of out of rhythm and out of timing. I think it happens all game. I don't think they're going to r- throw the ball for a lot of yards at all in this game. I see, you know, very pedestrian to mediocre numbers from from Trevor Lawrence. That doesn't take away anything from him. You know what I think he'll be I, when he came out of college. I thought he's going to be the next best thing. You know, great thing coming. I still think that this team still has a long way to go, Jacksonville. But I think they're going to make life a living hell for him. And as we we said earlier, yeah, they'll get their yards rushing the ball, but that's kind of, almost kind of by design. This defense stiffens up when you get closer to the the goal line. So from twenty to twenty, they may get some yards um, running, but I don't think Jacksonville's going to score a lot of points because of that. I don't think they have the the, the capability for a quick strike offense. Um, I think this giant team is is pretty good. I think they're going to go down there and they're going to win. Give me give me give me the Giants winning 21-10. Daniel Jones having a big game on the ground, hitting a couple of key passes, low low turnovers if any, and we win. All right. That was a very complete good answer. I like that. Um, I agree to a lot of that stuff. I agree with a lot of that stuff. Um, 
I did. Do you get the feeling that this is a potential trap game by any chance? Because we they've just kind of been on a roll. Well, a trap game, to me by definition, is I got a big one coming up next week. And, yeah. Okay. So not a trap game, but I guess just a a letdown game. Yeah. That's why I kind of like the fact it's on the road. Okay. I think if they were home again this week and they were getting, you know, they were getting lathered up all week by the, the press and the fans and they're coming back home and they're into a bit of a routine, I, I would be a little more worried. But, you know, I could see they're that. back on the road this week. And it, 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 they, were, they were home. They go to London. They're back home. They're on the road again. That, to me, keeps them on their toes a little bit mentally. And they're not falling into any sort of, like I said, routine. So to me, I, I like the fact this game's on the road. Okay. I, I think that this game had the potential to be a letdown game. Um, I was a little bit worried about it. But the more I've looked at this, I don't know, man. I think the Giants are getting better at the right time. I think they're figuring shit out right now. And they're getting healthy right now. Yeah. The guys that are getting banged up are getting healthy. And, you know, like guys like Wondell Robinson got healthy a couple weeks ago. They've got some practice in, had his first game last week, going to have his second game this week, potentially bigger impact. You know, I just think that everything is getting better. Uh, we didn't really talk about injuries, but, you know, Aziz Ojolari, chance he's coming back this week, things like that. I just think the Giants are just trending up at this moment and the Jaguars are just seem like they're in a bit of a free fall and I haven't seen anything yet that shows that they're going to... I think they're going to get out of it, but why this week? I don't think so. So the way I look at this, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to get some yards on the ground, but we're going to come up with a big play, big stops. I think they're going to be stuck kicking a lot of field goals and taking a lot of their time off the clock. On the flip side, I think we're going to be able to move the ball in chunks on the ground. And I mm -hmm. think that that's going to just get exacerbated as the game goes on. I see us scoring points in this game. And I think the Giants roll to a victory. I think they start stretching their lead after halftime. Uh, so it'll be kind of close going through it, but you'll see the, the stats favoring the Giants. And then second half, they'll blow it open. 27-16. I see the Jaguars mm. kicking lots of field goals in this game. I think the way this game's going to go defensively, it's whatever Wink Martindale wants to focus in on, we will stop. I agree. So, okay, from 20 to 20, they're going to run the ball a little bit, fine. But when they get in the red zone, when it, we're not worrying so much about the pass. We're, like, you know, pitting our ears back and trying to go after Trevor Lawrence. And we need to stop them. We will stop them. This so not a, It's not a very good team, this Jacksonville team. You threw a bold prediction in there that DJ was going to run for 100 yards or over 100 I yards. Did. I did. I'm going to give you my bold prediction. So I gave you the score 27-16. That's 16 points is one touchdown for Jacksonville and a bunch of field goals. Evan Ingram is the guy who scores the touchdown. And here's why. Because he only ever did shit right in games that we were getting the shit kicked out of us anyway. <laughs> like a backdoor touchdown at the end yeah so i don't know how giants fans are going to feel about that if he scores a touchdown right early in the game but we end up beating the shit out of the team i guess I, they'll be fine I, but i just don't care I yeah mean, i don't honestly, really give a you shit know something, to be honest evan ingram feels like he's you know i feel more bad it was more like a letdown that he wasn't good than it than it is that i'm mad at him no i'm not mad at him it's just it's it's over he moved on we we and it's just i don't have any opinion of him anymore he's just gone I didn't hate him when he was with us. I was disappointed, 
he didn't pan out, but I don't have any ill feeling for him. And now he's just another guy. You know, it's not like the return of like Odell Beckham where I'm like, fuck that guy. You know, it's just, it's just gone. And it's another player. Let's whip it around the division. Uh, does Green Bay lose again this time to Washington <laughs> at home? Can't be, right? It can't be. You're going Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with this Jets team, but they're a better team than Washington. We, we've been blasting Washington every every week on this show, and I just think they're terrible. So Green Bay is a good team. Green Bay is a playoff team. They'll be fine. Is this, their, is this their get-right game? This is their – I mean, believe me, if you ever need a slump buster, Washington is that 400-pound <laughs> fatso that's uh, at the bar 2 a.m. They – I don't want to go off on a whole thing. Do you think anything comes off of uh, Snyder? All this talk about Snyder and the owners' meetings. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, okay. do you mean like on the for this game or on the field? Or no, 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 no. Do, do do you think anything like the owners' meeting? They're talking about potentially having to force him out of Washington. Do you think that actually happens? No. Okay. Because I think if they really wanted Daniel Snyder out, he'd have been out a while ago. Okay. Do you think there's a reason why not? There's just too many dissenting people, or I I don't know. I don't know if it's just a money thing or what, but uh, blackmail. Yeah, it's just usually when you want someone to go, they find a way to get rid of you, and if they want you to stay, they just stay. And there's been so many things with this team and this guy for so many years, he's still there. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think you know. I don't know what it would take. I mean, he's sort of like a, you know, he's like a almost like a Donald Trump in the way he, where no, but he's like he a just, cartoon villain. He's yeah. like like a, I don't know, like a Dick Tracy mob boss or something like that. Yeah, but he's Teflon though. He's still there. Yeah. Um. Dallas is traveling. Uh, no, Dallas is home against Detroit. Is this another easy one? Uh, Dak Prescott should be back this week, I believe. Yeah. Do you think that's stupid? Do you think they should have just rolled with Cooper Rush one more week and uh, against an easy team? I don't think there's any easy games in the NFL anymore. Good really answer. Think. Good answer. That was the answer I was looking for. Yeah, I, 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 this league is so wonky that I really firmly believe that anybody can beat anybody any week. Um, it's also the fucking quarterback position. Don't fuck if, around. If Dak Prescott is clear to play and he's healthy and he can do – he can make all the throws and do everything with his legs. The better player. He's the better player. Yeah. I mean, we it's one of the biggest debates on this Well, do show you think that? Do you think that Cooper Rush is a good player? Or do you think that he's in a good system? Or both? I think he's in a good system, and I think he's got a little Scott Mitchell-itis in him where he's just playing well for a little bit. But do I think he's good enough to overtake a guy that, uh, you know, is it an established is the star? Guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we... It's been a long-running thing on this show. Where do we put Dak Prescott? But I know one thing. I put him higher than Cooper Rush. So do I. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we talked about the job. class of the NFC at quarterback position, and I'm the one who threw his name in the in the ring there. So Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so, so Dallas wins this game, right? Yes. So um, that would keep us. We both predict the Giants to win. We predict Dallas to win. Philly is on a bye. That would put us... That would keep up us, us in second place in the division. Amazing. Amazing. 
I Amazing. just sneezed. You didn't even hear it. <laughs> ah, all right. If um, you were on YouTube right now, you would have saw that. Yeah, you, know, you could see it. Yeah. Um, got nothing else for this episode. We're at over an hour, so I have no more closing thoughts other than you can follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan. And of course, this show is available all over the place YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, etc. You look for podcasts, you will find us. It's not that hard. Uh, but be sure to subscribe on YouTube because uh, we're trying to grow that channel and work yeah. more towards a YouTube centric kind of thing. If you if you could, you know, subscribe, leave comments after each episode, you know, like us, do whatever you can. I appreciated the back and forth over the Wembley Stadium thing. I thought that was awesome. I don't yeah, know if yeah, I ever was... jumped in the ring at that at all, but I meant to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate. It. I think. Uh, yep. We we would if you leave a comment on on that or even on you know, on iTunes or something, we will absolutely get back to you because that's why we do this we like we love talking meeting new friends and fans and and even the haters out there <laughs> do we have haters oh we do oh i think some of them might live in this apartment actually <laughs> all right all right everyone we will see you on tuesday morning after the game against jacksonville till then go giants, go giants.